Welcome to the Dreamer's Way podcast. I'm your host, Ella Ryan. Think of this space as your weekly getaway here to ignite your passion, elevate your mindset, and empower you to design a life that truly reflects your dreams. From life hacks to success stories, mindset shifts to moments of pure motivation, the Dreamer's Way is your ultimate source for crafting a life filled with purpose, passion, and endless possibilities. Whether you're looking for some guidance, here for some inspo, or just looking to learn something new, I hope you find a little piece of you inside each episode. Ready to dive in? Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Dreamer's Way podcast. I can't believe that we are already in a new month in the year 2024. Time is just escaping me. I don't know about you guys, but it feels like it's just flying by. I'm so happy that you're here. I'm so happy that you've come back for another episode or if it's your first time here. Welcome, welcome. As you know, the title is called The Dreamer's Way. So each week we bring on new dreamers and new people that we feel have a brilliant story to share and something to teach and some inspiration to pour out into the world. So Mirabelle, today's guest, was an absolute no-brainer. She is such a wonderful person to talk to, a beautiful teacher. I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this episode. We talk about integrative wellness and what that means for her and in her practice. We talk about what inspires her, what began her journey, how she ended up here, and everything in between. I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this. I'm excited for you guys to meet Mirabelle. For those of you that aren't familiar with her or her work at this moment, please go check out the show notes and give her a follow. Check out her website. See how you can connect with her. She is a wealth of knowledge. She's a beautiful person inside and out. And I'm excited for you guys to listen to this episode. Please let me know what you think. Please reach out to myself or Mirabelle and continue the conversation. And yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Hello, Mirabelle, and welcome to the Dreamers Way podcast. I'm really excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here and to see you and interact with you. Thank you for having me. Of course. Before we get started, I would love it if you could share a little bit about yourself, maybe your background, what inspires you, what brought you into the field that you're in, anything you'd like to share with our audience. Life inspires me, honestly. I've always been really curious and I get very excited to learn about the world and and more and more about myself and like the inner world as well. And I think that curiosity makes me feel a deeper sense of connection. Just studying whatever sort of picks my interest. And that's where I feel a sense of joy and fulfillment. So I think in a nutshell, I'm just curious and enthusiastic about life. And everything that has come into my life and perhaps that shall come has come from that inward or inner eagerness to learn and to grow and to discover. So in a nutshell, that is me in essence. And I love sharing. I love sharing with people. I love sharing joy and I love being present for whatever is unfolding as like this authentic live experience in a person's moment-to-moment live stream of life, if you will. 
And I was born and raised in Bombay, India, and spent most of my growing years there. And then I studied in Rochester, New York, and then lived in Bermuda and in London and and now in the Cayman Islands. So yeah, living in different countries, traveling is another one of my passions. And just growing in my experience of life, that is what drives me. Yeah. So beautiful. I love it. You have such a, like, I can feel the curiosity in your energy. Just that like pondering and excitable, inspired energy, like enthusiastic, I think is the perfect word for that. Everything you find a little spark in whatever it is that you're doing. Do you mind sharing with the audience what you do now, what you practice? I think my, very simply put, you know, I help busy, brave people to experience clarity, vitality, and contentment as the fullest expression of their life. So it it really is in keeping with my own journey of expansiveness. And I know that every soul is has this innate desire to realize the blueprint that it came with. And for that, guidance, consistency, and loving kindness, like a loving support are Mm -hmm. really important. And all the tools that I've received from my gurus and my teachers and my mentors in the space of yoga and Ayurveda, which is my core practice, have empowered me personally to have more clarity, which is something I didn't have at all. Like I was just completely quite a mental mess uh, many years ago. And, and from that space of clarity, Vitality comes because you don't lose energy. When you're confused, you lose so much energy Mm. trying to make decisions or trying to figure out what you really want or what you're really thinking and what to really do. And then from that vitality, it's a lived experience, right? You feel it in your system. And that sort of brings a sense of contentment. And those are important to me as a person, as lived values and empowering others with the ancient age-old systemic and scientific tools of yoga and Ayurveda gives me so much joy because I see people thrive and I see people move from whatever state that they're in into a state that they are desirous of being in and then experience the next level of desire for the next you know level. So it's just, yeah, and that's, that's essentially in a nutshell what I do. Beautiful. And I love that you mentioned that a part of your journey wasn't always having this clear mind that it it was work for you as well, because I think anyone can relate to having a busy mind. And like you said, the busier the mind, the harder it is essentially to focus or really hone in on what it is that we desire or having that many decisions in our head. I think everyone can relate to that. So I think that's really beautiful. And I can only imagine the people that you attract into your circle. Thank you. I I have to say I'm very blessed. I think that all my clients and all my students bring so much to my life. There's so much I learn from these particular qualities that they have of perseverance or inquiry or grit and drive and Mm. I find them very inspiring to my own life as well. 
Yeah, so I, I, I definitely feel very, very grateful for, I don't think it's a one-way interaction at all. I feel, I would be audacious enough to say that I feel more blessed to have them in my lives, perhaps, than, than they feel for me to share these tools with them. Oh, that's so wonderful. That's so special to be able to do that, this do this sort of work and feel that connection with people. For someone who's relatively new to the world of yoga and Ayurveda, do you mind explaining a little bit or maybe what the term means to you, integrative wellness? So what this encompasses and what this means for you in your practice? Yeah, so it's a really good question. And I'm glad that we're starting with the basics because (laughs) it's, it's really good to clarify what something means to a particular person as well, right? And so integrative wellness is my way of conveying to a modern audience that might find terms like yoga and Ayurveda either too outlandish or woo-woo or just like hard to pronounce or whatever it is that that keeps them from perhaps accessing the absolutely stupendous power of these systems. So integrative means nothing is left out. There is no rejection. That it's different from holistic where we might think, and this can be what's different based on different people's perception, where we can think that only some things belong to the whole, that there is a superiority of, well, this is a holistic treatment and that is a a medical treatment or it's an allopathic treatment and I'm not into that stuff. And I was there many years ago. So so all this is sort of a cumulative effect of my own journey. Integrative is there is space for everything because Uh everything has been created by the same source energy. My job only is to understand, to clarify, and to move into really seeing where these different elements fit into the tapestry. Instead of saying, you don't belong here. Mm-hmm. You don't pick up my belief system, whatever it is. So when there is a sense of integration, nothing is rejected. And so there is very little effort because you're not fighting anything. There's no resistance to anything. And that brings, it just brings a sense of ease. Mm. And so that's what integrative means to me, integrative wellness. And wellness is our natural state of what in yoga is called Satchitananda, the existence, knowledge, and bliss absolute. Existence as in being in the essence of presence, knowledge as in the knowledge of the self. Who am I? When I drop my roles, I drop my body, I drop my thoughts. When I go through all of that, then who am I? And Ananda means bliss, which is the essential nature of every soul, every being, according to yoga. And I think in my own experience, I I feel that is true too. We're all just thirsty and hungry to be ourselves. And ourselves Uh is when we are completely at ease. We're completely authentic. And that feels like a state of bliss. So to answer the second part of your question, yoga and Ayurveda are ancient Indian sciences that are systematized, so they're very systematic, very algorithmic, that lead us to this experience of Satchidananda, this this blissful experience, right? So yoga is 
economy of effort and luxury of experience. That's my understanding and lived experience of yoga. It is not a series of contortions that you do on a yoga mat. That has unfortunately become, you know, it's what happens when we make things reductionist and we take something out of its wholeness to present it or to sell it or to make it marketable to an audience that might not have the time or interest or or curiosity to to go to something in its wholeness, in its essence, in its original form. And all the practices in yoga are very practical. They are guidelines and observances and tools and a system of checks and balances that come from the space of love, not from the space of fear, that allow us really to have this expansion. And then Ayurveda is the ancient Indian science of health and longevity. You know, there's a lot of talk about longevity now, right? And there are some aspects that are totally missing in this talk, at least in the Western world. Ayurveda is actually, it's been around for more than 5,000 years, years, and it's a lived practice. Any of our modern day scientific studies, you know, your randomized clinical trials and all of those are based on very short-term data. Yoga and Ayurveda have been lived for thousands of years, and they survive because their effects are so profound that they continue to be lived, right? And so Ayurveda provides a way to take care of the body-mind-spirit complex in a way that is accessible for all people. Certain aspects of yoga may not be accessible to all people. And it works on the premise that we are meant, we are designed to be living in health. And Ayurveda defines health as this state where the body is at ease, all the systems are functioning properly. Ayurveda goes so far as to even talk about the the quality, the quantity, and the time of excretion as being a vital element to check if somebody is truly healthy. The state of mind and the state of relationships and the state of sleep, the state of relationships with others and with oneself. All of this encompasses the definition of health, according to Ayurveda. Really, the most, even the WHO hasn't caught on to this yet, right? We have a separate mental health definition and we have a separate health definition. And it's just, there, there is no integration. There is no wholeness, right? And so I think these, for me, are the gifts of these systems. They include everything. I'm unpacking this all as you're speaking. I think now hearing your your description of integrative wellness, it's the perfect term. And I love, I love so much that you took the time to explain what it means to you. And I think that we're moving in that direction. I hope we're moving in that direction because I believe in wellness as being more than our physical state, more than our mental state and our spirit. It's the, the accumulation of everything. So thank you for taking the time to explain that and to share the philosophy behind yoga as well. Because I think, like you said, Sometimes it can get a little bit lost in translation and we can get a different idea of what the original practices are actually here to to support us. And I'd love to know the nature of your training background if you're happy to share that with us. Yeah, of course. So I started yoga when I was officially 
I mean, I grew up in Bombay, right? It was all around. You couldn't escape it. It's a thing you didn't want to do, but you had to do. Or if you didn't want to do it, you saw somebody doing it every morning when you went for a walk or into school. or So it was one of those things you take for granted. But part of life, so whether it was eye exercises for concentration or as a student, that would be sort of like where my training began unofficially. I didn't really take to it till much later. When I was about 16, I started going to yoga class before going to college. I was just curious about philosophy and I was asking questions like, why am I here? So like, what's the purpose? I go to college, I get a degree, I get a great job, I get married, I have kids. Then I wait for my kids to have grandkids and then I pass on. Like, there's got to be more to life than this. Like, that's kind of boring. (laughs) So I went to yoga. We have these things called satsang. Sat means truth and sang means company. And so they're kind of discourses on deeper philosophical aspects of life and how to actually live them. So they're not just preaching, they're also giving you insights on how to make that happen in your life. And that's where I sort of really got interested in in it more. And then I went to university and did my certificate and diploma in yoga and yoga philosophy at Bombay University for two years which was pretty wow. intense. And that, wow. was, that was like dope for my brain because of all the philosophy and all kinds of philosophy. We, we have six different kinds, schools of philosophy in, in India. So there's the one that doesn't believe in God and the ones that believe in God and the ones that mm. don't, don't believe that they believe everything is random. And so you learn about all these different philosophies and viewpoints. And it was very exciting for me at that young age to have fantastic professors and Wow. get challenged in all the beliefs that I was like, no, but it's, it is like this because that's what my parents told me. That's what my college right. told me. That's what religion told me. And then I didn't practice very much. Honestly, I got on with life and didn't really get into it till I was, I think, 23 or 24. And I had this massive slip disc. And when that happened and I was told I needed a surgery and I might not really be myself again, oh. I just went to the Himalayas to study with the gurus. Oh my gosh. How I made it there is a complete miracle because I was very broken and the Himalayas are not any, I mean, they're the most difficult mountain range in the world. So it was really an act of grace that I actually even reached there. And that experience living there, it totally changed my, what I thought my body was capable of. That was the big shift because I was still a bit skeptical. Um, And then continued, you know, I left there uh, like a completely changed woman. And really, that's when I immersed into the whole lifestyle of the practice. Uh, I realized I couldn't just do asana, like the postures. Mm. I had to change when I was waking up and when I was sleeping and when I was meditating and what I was eating and what I was consuming with my senses, whether it was things Mm. I was reading or listening to or all of those things. And through that change, my slip disc went away completely without any surgery or medication or physio or anything. And wow. And that from there, it went on. I continued that I did an advanced teacher's training and then training in yoga nidra for PTSD and then Mm. a whole bunch of other uh, trainings and start studying you know traditionally we study one-on-one with the guru because you can do kind of like what we're doing now you can ask questions and get answers and they can challenge your thinking 
which might not happen in a course with a curriculum. So I have since then been studying with a few teachers, one teacher at a time in Ayurveda and in the women's path of yoga, things that aren't easily found, definitely not in courses. Mm. So I'm very grateful for how these these incredible teachers have come into my life. And anything that I'm sharing with you right now, it's because of the grace of God that has brought these amazing humans into my life. So it's it's not me sharing something I discovered or that I know. It's really like being a conduit for teachings that I've received and that hopefully have some power when I'm sharing because I, I, I think I do a decent job of practicing them. Just listening to you, I have full body goosebumps and I'm nodding my head because everything you're saying just resonates so much. I love hearing your story about, unfortunately, your injury, but what it brought you to and the teachers that it connected you with, it's just so powerful. I'm a believer in things manifesting in our lives. I want to be careful when I say for a reason, but sometimes to push us in a certain direction. And I think so whenever I hear stories like that, it's just so I think it's so powerful. And you're obviously, you're obviously a, a fantastic teacher. Just I can hear the passion in your voice. And I love, love that you want to continue learning and growing and learning for more people and acting as a conduit. I use that term quite often. I think that's like such a beautiful mission to have is to serve as like being the conduit so that what we learn, we can pass on to somebody else and hopefully enhance their lives. if not better than how it's enhanced our lives. So I absolutely love that. Thank you for sharing. What do you think brought you to being a teacher? So you could have learned everything that you've done and moved in one direction. What made you want to connect, let's say, yeah, in a more one-to-one regard or to pass this knowledge on? What inspired you to move in that direction? Yeah, I think when something changes your life so much that you don't even recognize who you are Mm. or where you came from, it's almost like you don't have a choice. I The last thing wow. I wanted to be was be a teacher of any sort. Like, honestly, it was the last thing I ever <laughs> have wanted to be. But when your life changes so much and other people, I don't know, like people just started to come to me and ask me things. And like, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't something I set out to do at all. It found you. It just happened really quite organically. Yeah, like it's not... I, I don't know. I don't know really what to say about it because it's not something that I chose. Yet I have no, I have nothing but gratitude for the choicelessness in this, you know? <laughs> yeah, 100%. Well, clearly you're in the right space. It feels, it feels, it feels good. Yeah. I would love to learn a little bit more. I So you cover quite a bit with integrative wellness. Do you do any breath work, work with your clients. That seems to be something that's just the conversation is growing around, whether or not it's being done correctly or how it's being taught. I was wondering if you could share maybe some of your insights on breath work and maybe any of the potential dangers if doing it incorrectly, your experience around it. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I can see that you put thought into noticing the pattern of breathwork sort of becoming this thing and then inquiring into it instead of jumping on the bandwagon. So kudos to you for that. (laughs) I try to to really, it's something that I've had to actively work on, but I try to question, like you mentioned with your teachers, challenge my thoughts and challenge the norm, let's say, quote unquote, or trends. 
Yeah, in a healthy way. And I, I love, I would love to learn more from you. Yeah. So I'll share with you first in the context of yoga, just to put yeah. it into perspective and then answer the second part of your question after that. Yoga is actually a breath practice because it's a practice for life and life is breath. Without breath, there is no life. So accessing the more nuanced, more delicious quality of energy can be done through the breath, according to yoga. Mm. And according to many spiritual traditions, it's not just yoga, right? That said, there is a systematized way in which to be able to do that effectively, efficiently, and sustainably, which yoga provides. So in the eightfold path of yoga, it's very systematic. First come the observances and the, the restraints, right? And these are English words and they do no justice to what the words mean in Sanskrit because they do not sound so kind of um, poetic. Militant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they are guidelines by which to live our lives so that we can simplify our relationship with ourselves and relationship mm. with others. So let's take, for example, something like saucha, which is cleanliness. Okay. And when we look at that in the perspective of yoga, it is cleanliness of the physical body, cleanliness of the internal aspects of the physical body, cleanliness of the food. And when I say cleanliness, simplification and mm. optimization of the food that we're consuming, um, of the, the space we live in. The objects we own, do I own too much or things I'm not using? That's not saucha. Am I clear about my desires and am I able to be authentic with myself about it? Or do I not say them because it's not nice to say that to eat before somebody else or, you know, just I'm just giving you a very random example. And what in modern day language, people might all this talk about boundaries, right? It all is saucha. And it's actually all the yama and yamas together, but I'm just using one just to give you an example. And if I can have that taken care of, then I can go to the next part. So it's yam, niyam, asan, which is the physical postures. And again, I'm being extremely reductionist when I'm saying it because the asan is actually a breath practice. But the purpose of it in yoga is to be able to sit for long periods of time so that I can do breathing practices, which is the next step, pranayam. And pranayam is not breathing practices. Again, I'm being reductionist, just so that people that are listening don't get overwhelmed, right? Pranayam <laughs> means, prana is life force and ayama means expansion. So to expand your life force, your vitality and all of that, you do the practices of pranayam. Okay, which in the West, if you're hearing me and you're like, what are you, what are you saying? It's pranayama. Okay, it's actually pranayam. <laughs> so when you do that, then your nervous system, brain, endocrine function changes so that you are able to come to the next step, right? Which is, so you can yam, niyam, asan, pranayam, pratyahara, drawing the senses inward so that you can be in your own inner experience. Dharana, concentration. You might... Loosely translated to mindfulness. And then mm. dhyana, meditation. The sign, the yogic definition of which is to be able to hold one thought for 12 seconds is meditation. It's all, I'm telling you, yoga and Ayurveda sciences, very precise in measurement and everything. 
And then samadhi, which is a transcendental state where you don't identify with the body. You're, you're just in the state of bliss. You're experiencing yourself as bliss, which I can't talk a lot about because I've had maybe tiny little glimpses of it, but not really. Okay, so I won't talk about that. So you see how all of this fits together. And with Ayurveda, it's the practices. What do you eat so that hmm. your mind is more peaceful? Hmm. Is your food supporting the quality that you want to experience in your mind or not? Just to give you one example. Yeah, it's so a great one. Yoga, yeah. When yoga and Ayurveda are practiced together as a, a sister sciences, which is how they're meant to be practiced, then only can you have this expansive experience of life. Now, if you get reductionist and say, I'm just going to practice breath work, which is not understanding the context, you try and sit and breathe. But you've got a million thoughts because you didn't, you, you're not at peace. You're sitting to breathe because, you know, you wanted to tell your coworker that they were expecting too much or they were whatever it is, right? Mm. And you didn't tell them that. Now that's making you irritated or mm -hmm. anxious or whatever because you didn't have authenticity with what you want. And how you, you don't know maybe the tools, how to communicate that without offending, whatever, right? So you sit then to do breath work to calm your system down. Will it work? Yes. It will soothe your system. Hmm. Will it expand your energy field? Unlikely. And when I say expand your energy field, I mean sustainably. When you go back to that person, are you going to feel that expansive state? Or are you going to be like, oh my God, I've had five minutes of this person. I need 20 minutes of breathing now. <laughs> and so there's a, a lot of the breath work is being used as a pacifier, right? It's like right. put a dummy in this mouth, baby's mouth so it stops crying. So let's do this breathing so that we, you know, we kind of anesthetize this person. Because mm. breathing practices, when done correctly, can have an effect like anesthesia. They, they calm the system down. They take away that flight response and this is scientifically yeah. proven nitric oxide helps with that sort of feeling of euphoria and among other neurotransmitters that are released when you practice breathing effectively so can you go wrong with breathwork practices right that was your other question yeah. absolutely i just did this with my yoga class on sunday i made them change their breathing into different patterns and made them anxious by telling them to breathe differently. And then I took them into a certain practice so that they could feel the effect of it. Because I wanted them to see the absolute polarity between the two practices, the different ratios we used, see the effect of breath on the mind. Because I, like, I want my clients to have an experience. I don't want them to take what I'm saying for granted or just because I say it. They have to initially till they practice and then develop some proficiency to have uh, effects and actually see how the experiment on themselves is progressing. Right. But when you practice breath work wrong, it has long-term effects on the nervous system and on mm. the brain and on the energy system. Mm. And this is really something I want to caution people that are listening about because those effects are not, not seen immediately. And that happens even with yoga teachers that don't have the have a depth of knowledge, right? This whole system's knowledge. You need the whole system's knowledge. Hmm. You can't just do a one-month teacher training and learn a few techniques and have system's knowledge. It's not possible. You have to learn it. You have to live it. And then, then you can have some, you know, what we call in, in yoga or in Sanskrit, adhikari. You have to be an adhikari. You have to earn the right to practice and you have to earn the right to 
take the responsibility to share that with people because when you share when i share incorrectly that's like uh, that's energy on me right that's Absolutely. my responsibility whether i'm aware of it or not so it's it's my sort of energetic slash karmic debt to carry so it's really 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 important in this day and age where there's a lot of breath work sort of thing going on mm-hmm. to check who am i learning whether it's breath work or anything i mean if you're learning martial right. art or you're learning you must check who you're studying with not how many followers they have what does mm-hmm. that even mean is that what you're after or are you truly after an expansive fulfilled or you know whatever it is whatever your goal is it might even be just to sleep better there's no hierarchy here but check what is their education if it's yoga you must check lineage not style style is not a thing that exists in india like what is style what is style like something that comes in and out of style or fashion even the word you know when you say it like that it's like it's an, it makes sense <laughs> that was actually as you're talking this is really something that's coming becoming more clear is like for somebody listening how you mentioned a little bit about like where they studied their lineage how can people discern between practices and teachers and i won't use the word style because we're removing that word mm-hmm. or between like like meditation and breath work because i think it's gaining popularity again and at least for somebody like myself i love the idea of slowing down so i'm very attracted to hearing these terms is there something that you could share with the audience in order to help them discern a little bit better between like the practices yeah i think you know two things one is coming from a very sort of rational logical mind frame ask your teachers where they studied for how long they studied how long they have been practicing right and ask to see their credentials you have a right you have a right to ask your teacher to see their certificates and credentials just like you would for a doctor or anybody because you're giving somebody the right to work with your body mind energy subconscious mind everything it's a big step in trust and it's i think it's important to i'm not saying go and ask everybody but it's something that you should feel comfortable to ask Mm. and then coming from the others that was like the logical left brain executive function thought and then it's being in their presence right what does it feel like when you're in their presence right how do you see them coming in and out of class what are they like when you see them outside and i'm yeah. not saying that for example that i'm never irritated or upset or we're human so it's not to right. put anybody on the spot but you can really have a sense of whether whether there's an energetic synchronicity in what they're saying or it's just they're saying the right things i love that so advice my, my so much is to say if someone is telling you to sign up for something they're doing or telling you that they can fix you mm-hmm. you should run miles away from them and i've always used that as a sort of a test for myself when i'm studying with with teachers or gurus if if someone is telling you they're going to fix you they definitely haven't got yoga because yoga is a path of taking responsibility for yourself and your life someone can guide I, you but yeah. it is the ultimate path of taking responsibility mm 
I love that so much. Anybody or anyone or anything. It's it's brutal. I'll be honest with you. Like it sounds all great and hunky dory. It's a pretty brutal path. Ask my clients, they'll tell you. Right. And I get <laughs> they'll tell you're you. always a student. Right? All the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like anything worth persevering or growing through, there's natural challenges. I love that you said feel into the energy of how you feel with the with this person or these people. And I I also love that you mentioned how are they showing up to class? How are they leaving? How are they representing themselves in a non-yoga philosophy way? I have been really focusing on that in the past few years of my life in the sense of, I guess the term I'm looking for is practice what you preach is what I'm sharing actually how I'm living. Do you know what I mean? And I think, especially like you said, with the social media world, there's so much out there and there's so many experts and there's so many people teaching one thing that I think that's such an overlooked aspect of different teachers and different people in our community is I feel, at least coming from my experience, I feel most connected when I meet someone. And like you said, at the end of the day, we're still human. You're going to have whatever you are having is valid, but you are a living and breathing example of what it is that you're sharing. And I, I'm so happy that you shared that because I think that's something that's so often overlooked that we're looking at a metric or we're looking at sometimes, again, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but we're looking at, we're looking in a different direction. And I think something as simple as looking at the the whole picture is such a great, great place to start. I really like that you, that you mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I want you to add one thing, if I may, Ella. You know, I've worked with two or three gurus in my lifetime, right? And it's very hard to work with a guru because they're brutal. They are absolutely brutal. Oh my God. There's no nonsense. You know, you can't bypass anything. And I will say one thing that, you know, and they are human. You, you know, you're like, oh my God, this person's amazing. I want to study with this person. Uh, And then they do something and you're like, Uh, right? But mm -hmm. what I learned is that Firstly, don't put anybody on a pedestal. My inner compass has to just be, in my case, it's God, right? For people that don't have a belief system, you need to figure it out. You need to figure out where you anchor your trust. And because what's the point of everything else if you can't trace it back to the source of your, why you're here and why you created and who or what created you? What's the point of all this, this not? about your breath and yeah it helps you live better but so what you know right i would say like you should want more right and it's really that state of humility whether this Mm -hmm. person so firstly like i said don't judge like don't feel don't put anybody up on a pedestal because we're all human and we're all going to fail okay like that's you have to take that as a given even if you vet the teacher you find the teacher you like their energy you have to start out saying this is what I feel and yet I'm here for the teachings because Mm. they will change my life I'm not here for the teacher I'm saying this to you I I teach and I am telling you this that like I tell my client you should not be here for me you should be here for yourself that's so interesting because I'm inconsequential right now you're in an intense program with me like three months down the line I won't even exist in your life and I shouldn't right if I'm doing my job well I really shouldn't you shouldn't need me so much right after that time Um, that's yeah 
Yeah, it's like that's like, how these systems are designed. Yoga systems are designed for independence, not mm, for annuity business. I had such a click there when you said that because I'm guilty of that. I've absolutely latched myself to a teacher and put so much control and so much power in their hands as opposed to learning the lessons that they were here to teach me. Thank you for sharing that because I think that's something we all fall into or we can fall into so easily. But when you say it like that, it's it makes perfect sense that if I'm teaching you, you shouldn't necessarily need me at this level in five, six, seven months. Like you'll have your own, you'll have the tools. Wow, that was a light bulb Come moment. Back if you need, you know, you do need sometimes. Of course. So- it's like you're a teenager and you've left the house and you, you know, sometimes you come back to your parents' house just because it's comfortable yeah. <laughs> and you really can't see yourself properly. So so the, the humility that somebody has to say, you know what, I, mm. I share about this and guess what? Like I feel that to right. me is the sign of a beautiful teacher. Like those are the kinds of teachers that are rare to find, but those yeah. are the kinds of teachers that I find really inspiring, you know? And mm-hmm. I want to say one more thing because of what you just shared, Ella. And, you know, you shared giving power and control to a, a teacher. And, and this can sound very controversial, but I'm going to say it anyway. You really can't grow if you don't do that to a certain degree, to quite a degree. Because the conflict that happens with the teacher is the conflict of my ego. That I want to show my teacher that I know better or I am better or that I have done this before and why are we doing the same thing again or whatever. So I'm serving my ego, but to become absolutely like, you know what, you know better than me. Like, even though I don't really believe it, I'm willing because I want to get the knowledge. And as one of my teachers said to me, I was very headstrong and stubborn as a student. I still can be. So I, I needed a lot of bashing. And she said to me, knowledge can only flow from a higher level. Anything can only flow from a higher level to a lower level. So you need to humble yourself in front of your teachers to receive the knowledge. Not because you're humbling yourself in front of another person who's also human Mm. and sinning and, you know, whatever it is. But because you're there, your ultimate goal is the knowledge of the self. And that shifted things a lot for me. So I will say that, you know, while you don't give control, you also have to, like, I know that I have to be like, one of my teachers made me, gurus made me stop doing literally everything I was doing, which was just crazy, almost to prove that I really wanted to learn. So just just saying, I don't do that with my clients, but it's a different level. So it, that's also part of the these traditions, whether you look at them as the Japanese martial art or spiritual traditions, or most of the Eastern traditions are based on that kind of uh, rigorous training, because that's the only way you can break conditioning. And we know from neuroscience now that you can have structural changes in the brain, you can change your genetics, that epigenetic practices. Yoga, yoga is an epigenetic practice, you know, so all of it ties in. We could go on talking forever, but I, I'm going to stop because I, I can go on really. You keep bringing something else up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just want to go down there and I want to explore this. And yeah, wow. Mirabelle, I love hearing you speak. I love your, I love that you challenge things too, because I think that's so healthy. And I think having that mindset is like beautiful. And, and also like you mentioned too, like being able to discern how much ego can, can be present and still being able to like humble yourself and learn. And I'm, 
I'm I'm absorbing everything as you speak. I'm sure it'll all hit later. It's all integrating. Before we wrap up, I want to ask you the difference in your opinion between coaches or yoga teachers and and how it is that you're teaching now. So, would you consider yourself do you have like a coaching aspect? Yeah, a little and a little bit maybe about how or what sort of practices you offer at this stage now, maybe how people can work with you for our listeners that aren't on island, if there's a way that they can learn more from you and yeah, take the take the relationship further. So I don't know what exactly coaches do or I'm not sure because it's not something that I am um, familiar with. So I can't speak to to any of that. I, for my part, just like I said, really guide people with the tools of yoga and Ayurveda which are very practical, very scientific. They are eternal. Those tools will never go out of fashion because they are not about fashion. They're about the eternal laws of energy and how to access energy in its purest, most potent form. And that's never going to go out of style or fashion. It's never going to change because the laws of energy are eternal, right? And so that's what I share with people. So like I said, they can experience clarity, vitality, and contentment. And I work in several ways with people. For instance, right now I'm running a course on the neuroscience and art of meditation with Dr. Abha Raj Bhandari, who is a neuroscientist at Mount Sinai in New York City. We're co-teaching a course on where neuroscience meets meditation and like the whole interaction and So if you're very cerebral, this is a great course for you. But we are actually, you know, doing both aspects, the cerebral and the the subjective and the objective aspects. So I have an online school where you can find all the courses that have been taught in the past. Some summits, I organized the world's first summit on pranayama and breathwork in around COVID time. So all those recordings with 25 experts from around the world are there if people really want to go into quote unquote breathwork. And and then I work one-on-one with people with co-meditation or Ayurvedic lifestyle practices. Co-meditation is a way really to, to feel the things that you didn't allow yourself to feel before that precipitate in your system as trauma or anxiety or insomnia or autoimmune conditions or a whole bunch of things, right? So anything that you haven't processed, have made a story about in your head, might keep repeating that story and justifying why you should be okay, you know, all of that stuff. Co-meditation helps to to access that and transform the locked, blocked energies, Mm. which are neurochemical energies. And then there's, there is like the work I do in the corporate field, and that is either with large groups of people with heart map, which is coherence-based breath work and other practices. So this is something that's easy for everybody, whatever their condition, they can do it for stress management and, and resilience building. So that I do for large groups of people in corporate settings. And then also in corporate settings, I work with senior leadership teams to help them with introspective practices, with visioning, things that I suppose regular and this I'm sharing from my clients, a regular sort of business coaches might do, but in a very different way, because we assess it from alpha brain states because of the practices I take them to through before. So they change their brain states, so they're able to access it in different ways. And the practices are, of course, very different from what's conventionally right. out there. And then I have my signature program, which is called the Breathe Into a Radiant You program. This is by invitation only. 
not because I'm trying to be exclusive of anything, but because it's really transformative, like absolutely transformative. And it needs a lot of commitment from people to themselves. Mm-hmm. They want, they should really, really want to experience big shifts. It's right. not for people that are just wanting to feel a little better. Right. For that, for meditation is great. No problem. Yoga class, which I teach once a week is, is great. But it's really the most transformative program. It is where all the integration happens between food and lifestyle and breathing techniques and co-meditation and uh, daily accountability and all of that. So that's kind of in a nutshell. Uh, And yes, I work with a lot of people over Zoom. I have clients in Europe and Dubai and Ireland. And so this is not for any of the work I do. The time and space don't really matter. Zoom is great. Right. And yeah, so I think I think I've covered some of it, most of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I, it sounds like there's something for everyone, depending on what stage you're at or what commitment level you can commit to. Right. If it's if you're new to this journey and yeah, that's everything you're saying just sounds wonderful. I love I'm such a fan of anything neuroscience so combining it with yoga like yoga philosophy and i could yoga just sit and listen all neuroscience. day just earlier today abha and i had a call and we were talking about uh, so abha is a neuroscientist just to mm. put into context we were talking about how the yogis access all the things that neuroscience is just starting to say wow. without any technology or tools external technology or tools just by going into meditation Wow. So everything that yoga has said, the way that you build habits, the way that you change the expression of your genes, everything, I can tell you all the Sanskrit words for it. It has been said before. Yeah, It is an epigenetic practice. If you are being taught it the way that it was intended to be taught. If not, right. you're just going to have a great workout and like feel good yeah. and get good butt, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that, right? Of course. So yeah, But it's important to hold context for the culture that it has come from because, and I'm going to say it very boldly as a person of, of Indian origin, taking something from one culture, reducing it to something and selling it for profit or to adapt to your way of life or, or your a philosophy that is mostly based on capitalism and materialism is cheating yourself of the abundance and the richness of what it can offer you. Mm-hmm. And it is also disrespectful to the culture that it has come from that is not profiting from it because it never intended to create these things for profit. In our culture, it is something everybody should have access to. Right. If I was not a householder having to pay bills, I would not charge for it. Right. Right. And also because yeah. people don't understand, you know, if they don't put money, they don't show up, they don't show up for themselves. So which is why I'm very happy to charge and to charge well, you know, but I just want to put that into context because there's a lot of sort of literally stripping indigenous cultures of their sciences and profiting from it. And it is not right. And mm. if as an Indian, if I don't talk about it, oh. I would be being untruthful. So again, I, there's no judgment here, Ella, but people yeah. are not aware. This awareness needs to, you know, just have a thought about it. Of course. Happy that you shared this. Absolutely. I um I have nothing but love for everything you're sharing. And you have inspired the fire in me to get back into 
or get into a proper practice. I've always been so drawn to the whole lifestyle. So I'm so happy that you shared it in that regards. And I think that's often, like you said, because of where it's evolved or where it's been pulled and positioned that we're missing. We're cheating ourselves of this like bigger opportunity. So I'm really grateful for you sharing all of this. And thank you for being here. I've been like, like little bubbles have been floating from my head. You're just giving me all these ideas and like, I love being challenged. I love anything subconscious mind work. I love neuroscience. So it's so fascinating to hear the, you speak about the philosophy and how it is connected. It's, and actually, we're so far behind <laughs> is what it sounds like. So thank you so much. And I hope that everyone listening learned a lot because I did. I always love to learn. Love, love, love to learn. I think we're never going to be done learning. And I think that you can learn something from everyone that you meet. So thank you very much for taking the time to come on and share. Another thing before we go, where can people find you? Do you prefer social or do you have a website that's better connect with you? Yeah, I have a website. It's www.mirabeltacunia.com. And I think you could put that in the show notes just because Absolutely. it's a hard last name to spell and hard first name for many. So that's where you can find out about all of the things that I offer. Email is the best way to connect with me. Again, you'll find my email on the website. And I am active on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. And so if you want to just feel in and get some bite-sized information, or yeah. some sort of prompts. I try to put some prompts out there to, I'm actually doing all of that for myself to challenge myself to concise and simplify what I'm, what I'm learning, absorbing. And to, when I share that, I challenge myself to simplify it so that everybody can make sense of it. So I'm, all mm -hmm. my social media is really for myself, very selfish, uh, egocentric person here, right? But it, it does seem to benefit some others. <laughs> so. Uh, so so that's a, a place to connect, but I'm not very good at responding to messages on social. So really for that email is the best, but yeah. uh, I would love to. And I have a newsletter that I send out. I, I might even say maybe two to four times a month. And I blog and I share some of my uh, blog uh, articles there, which I don't share elsewhere. So that might be a good place as well to just start feeling in and, and seeing if yeah. there's a resonance. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know what? Like I've had such an interesting relationship with Instagram recently where I have, because I, I feel very similar to you. It's I'm creating because I like to do it. So it's, I always am like selfishly, this is what I want to put out there because I love art and curation. And I think it's beautiful. And I like that for people that are meeting people, like you said, you said it so perfectly, it's bite-sized. So you can get an idea of maybe a little bit about their personality, what they like, and I think it's a, it's a nice place to start for people. And the newsletter and your blog, I think that's fantastic. Even for people that are really looking for a change, but maybe financially they're not ready to commit just yet. So you can still learn and there's accessibility. So thank you for sharing that. I'll put everything in the show notes because I forget like that. So that if anyone wants to connect, it'll all be down there in the show notes. Mirabelle, thank you so much for coming on and sharing like so much with the audience. I'm really grateful and I hope we can chat again soon. Thank you so much for having me and for being such a great listener. All right, I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Dreamer's Way podcast. 
If you found value in today's episode, please consider supporting the show by leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback truly means the world to us and it helps others discover the podcast too. Thanks again for tuning in. Your support keeps us going and we can't wait to have you back for more. Until next time, keep exploring, keep learning, and keep on dreaming.